Uh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, as Anthony said, I'm an elder, and uh, it's, so, it's just really good to see uh, your faces here this morning. The farm boy is back. That's really good to see. Grant, uh, I see people out in the audience that I, it's just such a welcoming crowd, and so thank you for that. As an elder, um, I feel a great responsibility uh, for this church, and, and certainly we're a part of a team, uh, elder team, and so um, with that uh, just comes responsibility to be able to teach clearly, uh, to share the gospel, and that's really why we're here, is to honor God and then share the gospel with others. Those are, it just really boils down to that. So real quick, um, I just wanted, um, Amy was so good to me, she gave me feedback, she said, kind of shorten your story in the front end. Uh, so I'm going to shorten my story a little bit. Uh, when, we, when we started this church, our community, um, it was truly, and still is, it was all about this, all about the Word of God. We truly, there was, uh, there was people in Ashland, Greenwood area, I mean, all surrounding, uh, that were just praying for a Bible church, and that was, had been going on for years. We don't even know all the people that had prayed for a, a Bible church, and this is not, this is not uh, at all to s- uh, slam any other churches in town. I was saved in the Methodist church as a junior in high school at a revival. It was awesome. But I, um, for this time, uh, moment in time, we were praying for a Bible church in our town. And Amy and I moved back in 96, and we were still going to Lincoln to church for many, many years after that. Um, we didn't really like the feel of that, and one reason was we got involved, we, we were able to help start a Fellowship of Christian Athletes in 2001, and with that, we were able to help minister to student-athletes, a lot of them who didn't have a church home, and their parents didn't have a church home, and so in order to invite them to church, it just felt really awkward to invite them to Lincoln, you know, it just, it was like, man, why, why, why can't I invite them to a church here, and so... Um, long story short, um, my dad passed away in 2001, and that's significant because um, after he passed away, we were helping my mom process some things and just, you know, cleaning up some things, and, and I, I was in the basement, and I found a list, and my dad had actually made this list out, and it had a lot of names on it, and the, the amazing thing is there were some names that are actually in here today uh, or that were in the earlier service uh, that were actually on that list. He said, new church in Ashland on this list. And so at that point, I felt a great responsibility um, as his son and just with what we had already been praying about to have a church here um, to get the wheels in motion. But you know, when we think we are going to do it, God actually shows up and does it. And so, long story short, he had us, we left our church in Lincoln. We helped plant a church in, in downtown Lincoln called River Tree. River Tree Community Church is our founding, that is our church that planted us Riverview here in Ashland. It started out at Plant, uh, Platte Valley Antique Mall. I met with a guy named Charlie Worley, and Charlie was about a month out of retire, he was ready to retire, but he said, this is how you're going to plant a church in Ashland, and he set the wheels in motion, and God just started pouring in, uh, started bringing families in, and, and um, I, I could name all the families, um, and, and when I say that I was involved in that, I, 
I say that humbly and honestly with great responsibility because I, you know, when I look at this church, I feel a great responsibility to this body um, because we have to stay on the main thing. Um, and that's probably, as elders, it's really awesome because we work together, we pray together, and we challenge each other in this. I mean, Anthony's smiling. We have some great time sharpening each other. Um, it's so good to work through this. Uh, and that's what this church is about. And so I'm going to shift gears. I want to go right into the scripture for today. Uh, we're going to go to Luke 5, 17 through 26. And all this will make sense here in a minute to you, but I'll, I'll bring it together. But let's go ahead and read. Um, and and <laughs> I'm getting so that I can't even hardly see this up here, so I'm going to read from here. So um, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were uh, sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up for every, uh, from every, every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And I will say this for the Pharisees, up to that time in the Old Testament, they were right as far as they, only God could forgive sins, but they missed the rest of the story. And they are actually the ones that ended up crucifying Jesus. So, so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. So can you imagine being at that point in time where you're seeing Jesus and he obviously in the New Testament, we see many uh, times where he's healing people, uh, sick people. This is different though because this had to deal with repentance and forgiveness. So if we, if we look at, and, and one of the things, I guess I, I shared this in the first uh, service, but it, it kind of right away when I read that, it made me realize, like in John 20, 29, when doubting Thomas, after Jesus had raised from the dead, Thomas still wasn't sure that that was really Jesus. And Jesus said, well, you know, put your hands in my wound and see my hands, and see my scarred hands, my nail-scarred hands. And Thomas said, surely he is God. Um, but this is the cool thing. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And today, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that's us. How cool is that, you guys, to be able to believe without seeing that time frame and it is so exciting to know that through what God has drawn us to and, and through his Holy Spirit drawn us in, 
if you've trusted Christ with your life, we're blessed. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty special. So just to go back to the men, so Anthony, when we were talking, he just said, hey, let's, let's do this from um, a, a position of gratitude for friends, because we're on the, the month of gratitude. And so I'm going to focus on the men that carried the paralyzed man in on the mat. And in those days, in Capernaum, if, if you had a house with tiles on it, on the roof, that was a really large house. And I did a little research. You know, a lot of homes were mud or sod roofs. Um, but these guys, this was a very large structure where it had big tiles that were not easily removed. Um, and so these guys had to really get after it to get, first off, get him up on the roof and then secondly, to remove these tiles, to let him down. So if you're coming from the, the focus on the friends carrying the mat in and this paralyzed guy, there's several, um, there's several points that I would love to make about these men. The first off, they are passionate. Um, they were passionate to bring their feet. They, they know their friend needed Jesus. And it wasn't just for physical healing. They knew that he needed to be, to be able to repent of his sins and be forgiven. So this passage is really about forgiveness. Um, so they were passionate, number one. They were bold, number two. Anthony was praying with me before the, the, the first service, and he was praying, and in his prayer he said, you know, let, let, don't let us be bold about the world. Let us be bold about Jesus. And that's such a great statement because that's such a great prayer because we are so many people are so bold about the world, but it's like, where's our boldness for Jesus? It's like, this is the most exciting news we could ever get, you guys. We, if you've trusted Christ and, and, and you believe who he is, it's like, we've won the victory. So we are on the victorious side and now we need to love others enough that are not saved yet to tell them the truth and, and to be honest with them and loving and so the next one is loving. We need to love people enough to be able to be in the battle, to do whatever we can if we need to strip tiles off a roof, to lower them down, to be healed. Um, so we can't lose our passion. These guys were faithful. So they obviously knew who Jesus was. And, you know, they weren't going to be ashamed. It's like if you carried a paralyzed man back in those days, that was like a leper. They were outcast, and they weren't going to be accepted. And so these guys, they didn't care. They, you know, they might have gotten probably some real flack, but they continued to, they, it, what motivated them was their friend out of love and passion and boldness. So they were faithful. Um, they were persistent. Uh, obviously, nothing could stop them. They would do anything to get their friend to Jesus which is such a challenge to us. Are we persistent in our relationships with people that need Jesus? Um, and then they were strong. Obviously, they were strong spiritually because they knew who Jesus was. They knew that only he for, could forgive sins. But obviously, they were physically strong. They were ripping these big tiles off this roof, and that wasn't easy so they had to climb up on this roof, and think of that, ripping tiles off, and then they lowered him down. They, they kind of mentioned it was like on a, a, almost like a pallet that they had this, this uh, guy on, the historians um, revealed. 
And so these guys were strong. But the amazing thing was when Jesus saw this man that was paralyzed come to him, he said right away without anyone speaking to Jesus, he said, your sins are forgiven. Now only Jesus can read the heart. And so he knew that this man was coming to him repentant. Because that's a big component of forgiveness. You have to be repentant first. If you're asking for forgiveness, you have to admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. And so right away, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And that, the Pharisees obviously didn't like that. The teachers of religious law, they didn't like that because the attention wasn't on them then. The Messiah had come and it was stealing their thunder. And, you know, they eventually were the ones that crucified Christ, as I said. So those, those friends, I want to now encourage my friends here. Um, and this is encouraging for me too. So one of the ministries, I'm going to give you an update. It's a, this is a dual thing here. I'm going to give you an update on this, and I'm also going to encourage you hopefully through this. So we have done FCA since 2001, and that's Fellowship for Christian Athletes. And some people think, you know, this is, you know, that's pretty easy. That's just athletes you're working with. And, and, and the beauty is we have a team from all over the town of Ashland from lots of different churches that come together in the name of Jesus wanting to help influence these young people for Christ. Um, and it is in the name of sports for the name of Jesus. But there's 44 million high school kids in the U.S. that play sports. And so that's a huge audience. And as I said before, a lot of those kids don't have a church. They don't. And so if one of the reasons we started this church, I can, all of us leaders, we can invite them to our church. I mean, it's so awesome. And we know that we're, they're going to hear truth. So just to give you an update on FCA, Riverview supports FCA. They, uh, they give us a financial gift. Um, and so one of the greatest things we do with that ministry is we give out Bibles every single year. Um, because there's, frankly, there's a lot of young people that don't have a Bible. And um, my, my great friend and mentor, Gordon, who's here, and uh, thanks, Gordon, for being here. Um, he goes through every year, the first meeting, and he takes them through the Bible. It's just like, what, what is this? What, you know, where do you find stuff? And it's so good. This FCA Bible has, in the very beginning, it has all of these issues, topical, that they're going through. And they can go right to an issue like depression, anxiety, and they can go find in the Word where it's at and how it addresses it. That is so important for young people. And so we try to take them through that. Um, as I said, a collection of people from our community. We have incredible leaders. One of the greatest things this year that happened, and we, we started it actually back when Brett and Cole were, I think, freshmen in high school, but we do a, a chapel for any sports team that wants it. And so this year in the fall, just so you know, your Ashland Blue Jays, who were ranked number one all year, they had 20 to 25 young men in the brick house every Friday morning at 7.30 studying the Word of God. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, that's, that's, that's worth... Uh, that is... So then, when you're watching them play, you're actually looking at them differently. You're just, you're understanding what they're playing for and who they're playing for. And it's not, it, yeah, they want the win, for sure. We, we love to win, right? But the, it's way bigger than that. Um, 
And, and we try to teach these kids, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm just telling you, if Jesus Christ was a linebacker, he'd be a middle linebacker, and he would absolutely, he would bring it every single play, like Mike Anderson did for the New York Jets. He'd bring it, and, uh, and, and the thing is, though, he would bring it with love. I mean, how does that look? To be the most intense player on the field, but to do it with love. Um, it can be done if you're doing it in the name of Jesus. And then you just help them up, pat them on the back, and say, man, next play, let's do it. And uh, what, a, what a picture of doing things for the Lord rather than for men. Colossians 3.23 uh, is a great scripture for that. Um, and then, you know, so the, we do the chapels. And uh, the other great thing we've been able to do through FCA is to mentor young coaches at Ashland Greenwood. We, we had a group of six young coaches that we mentored, that we try to mentor all year long. And so we'll have bits and pieces, time frames, but it's just been uh, amazing. And then those guys will come on and they'll help with FCA on Wednesday nights. Um, there's other ministries. It's a para-ministry. It's not to replace the church. It's to come alongside the church. So let's transition then. So one of the reasons that I'm going to show you this competitor's creed is because on the back of every Bible since I ever remember from FCA, we've got this competitor's creed, and it is awesome. So let's, um, we're going to start in the very first one. Um, I'm a Christian, first and last. It's all about identity. Um, and, and let's go to the verse first, Galatians 2.20, if we could. Obi. I appreciate you guys doing this. So my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's not about me. My my identity now is in Christ. And so we don't have to, you know, blow every which way with the wind. We don't have to worry about who we are. If we're firmly in Christ, man, that is so good to live that way. Um, It's so good to play that way. It's so good to work that way. And so... Let's go ahead and read the rest of that first part of the the competitor's creed and put it to your situation. You may not be in high school sports anymore. You may not be in college sports anymore, but but put it in your work world or wherever you're at. I am created in the likeness of God Almighty to bring him glory. I am a member of Team Jesus Christ. I wear the colors of the cross. That is powerful. I love that. I'm a member of Team Jesus Christ. I would love, I'm on his team. And you're on his team if you've trusted Christ. What a cool thing. Okay, let's go to the second one. I'm a com- competitor now and forever. And yeah, thanks for bringing up the verse. Let's go Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And we are. It's just true. Today, guys, there's just more out there than we've ever seen before, and we need to be pouring out in prayer and just, uh, the, if you, truly, if you've trusted Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to make Satan flee. Just, I've, I'll, I'll audibly say it at times, Satan, get out of here. Um, and, and Neil Brower, you know, he was, he was uh, our founding pastor, and he, he said something one time that really stuck with me. He said, when we're dealing with Satan, if you have the power of Jesus Christ in you and the Holy, His Holy Spirit, 
then Satan's like a little nippy dog. He's on your, your, your pant leg. You just kick him off and say, get out of here, Satan. But we have, to be, we, we have to be proactive to do that. We have to make sure we know who's inside of us and that power, and the power is Jesus Christ. It's not us at all. Because by ourselves, we, we have no power. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, uh, you know what? I didn't read that one. Let's, let's go ahead and read that. Um, I am made to strive to strain, to stretch, and to succeed in the arena of competition. I am a Christian competitor, and as such, I face my challenger with the face of Christ. Let's keep going. Um, I do not trust in myself. And let's go ahead and bring that verse up. 2 Corinthians 10, 17. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So, you guys, we live in a society where everyone is boasting about themselves. Including me. I, I honestly pray, you can ask Amy, we, we get out and we do our worship uh, walk in the mornings and we pray together. Um, and and one of the things that I pray against is pride, because pride is a destroyer. It will make you defensive. It makes you jealous. It causes so many issues in our society when we're prideful. And this is, it's, it's not about us. We can only boast in the Lord if we're a Christian, because he is the one we're uh, pointing to. He's the one in lights. We don't want to be in lights. We can't handle it. Um, but he can, and so it's so good to know that. So let's uh, read that one. I do not boast in my abilities or believe in my own strength. I rely solely on the power of God. I compete for the pleasure of my heavenly Father, the honor of Christ, and the reputation of the Holy Spirit. Um, I love that, and um, I don't know, one of the things that, that allows me to Stay focused sometimes during the day is a focal point. Um, and in, in FCA, we talk to the athletes about focal points. And that could be, we were kind of brought to, the attention was brought when like Roy Hallou, Prince of Mukamara, those guys were playing for the Huskers. And they came out and shared. And Gordon, Gordon is, is great friends with Coach Brown. So we have incredible resources to come down to our, our Ashland Greenwood meeting. It's unbelievable. And so we hear these guys all the time. And and so they started putting crosses on their hands. They started putting scripture on their shoes. They started anything that they could in the heat of battle where they could recognize and understand it's God we're giving glory to. It's not ourselves. And, we're, and honestly, if you're giving glory to God and you're competing or working or doing anything for his glory, it's going to be way better effort than on our own. We can't, we can't continue to give effort if it's not for the glory of the Lord. I mean, you can, but it's, it's just, it never ends well. I mean, it just, uh, it just can't continue without that because we were made for His glory. Next, my attitude on and off the field is above reproach. My conduct above or beyond criticism. So let's go ahead and read this, this before we do the verse. Whether I'm preparing, practicing, or playing, I submit to God's authority and those he has put over me. I respect my coaches, officials, teammates, and competitors out of the respect for the Lord. So let's go ahead and bring up Titus 2. Yep, 6 through 8. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. 
Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so, you, uh, so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Um, you know, I believe probably Anthony on some Sundays, Tony, myself today, there'll probably be some spiritual attacks after this. So, I carefully have prepared, I want to tell you guys the truth. I don't, want to, I don't want to at all bring in my own words, and we have to be careful as teachers. But I also su- submit to authority at times, and, and all of us do, certainly God, but here on earth, I submit to authority. Uh, my boss at work, certainly, I'm going to be respectful. We talk to the student-athletes about they need to be respectful of their coaches, and the only time I would say you don't be respectful is when someone's going to lead you into sin. That, when it's just anything falling short of sin, we still need to be in respect and high regard for our authorities. And I love that. Um, and if you're a teacher, um, it just means, man, just pour out for God to help you to teach in a way that honors Him. Um, and that's above reproach. And then let's go to number five. My body is the temple of Jesus Christ. I protect it from within and without. Nothing enters my body that does not honor the living God. My sweat is an offering to my master. My soreness is a sacrifice to my Savior. Um, you guys, so Brett, who's here, we, couple, well, last weekend, actually for several weekends in a row, we were cleaning trees up. We were doing all kinds of repairs around my house. And I was sore, terribly sore. And the good news is, on Monday, Brett texted me and said, Dad, I'm really sore. And I thought, oh, that's good, because he's only 22. I was really feeling it. I could hardly sit in my office chair. (laughs) Um, But I will say it was cool, because, you know, as we work, a lot of times we'll be talking and engaging, and and, and certainly things come up about the Lord. Um, But we just have really great conversations. So it's like working for the Lord rather than for man, to honor, to honor him in that. Um, but our bodies, you guys, include our minds. We have to take every thought captive. We can't think that garbage can come in and holiness is going to come out. We have to feed our minds with this. Because this is all true. And if you believe it's all true then we have to feed ourselves with it. This is our food. Jesus would feed himself in prayer and, and scripture, and that's it at times. And, and I know he was God, but that's a great example for us um, to be able to feed our minds. So take every thought captive um, and don't allow Satan in in any way. Just kick him out audibly if you have to. Let's, uh, the last one here, the last bullet point. I give my all, all the time. I do not give up. I do not give in. I do not give out. I am the Lord's warrior, a competitor by conviction and disciple of determination. I am confident beyond reason because my confidence lies in Christ. The results of my efforts must result in his glory. And let's go ahead and bring that verse up, Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Man, this is, this is encouraging to me. 
Because aren't there times when you feel like, it just feels like it's for naught at times. I, it's just so hard because you're like, Lord, what are you doing? Um, you know, I, I'm trying to live for you, but things aren't going the way according to my plan, right? Um, but he's, you know, it's just so encouraging to understand that we, we, we don't want to give up and we don't want to give in. And so a part of that as I close is um, just a challenge for, our, for you guys, for the body. Um, I just, I ask you to get into this, to God's Word. Um, ten years ago, if you would have asked me, um, and, and, I, and, and I can say this, and I don't say this braggadociously, I just say this is just who, it's been, who I've been for years. Uh, Amy and I have probably read the one-year Bible for 30 years together, every single year. But I would say this, 10 years ago, if you would ask me, okay, at night, you've already read your Bible scripture, you know, your Bible, if, if you want to read more Bible or do you want to read this good book by this good Christian author, I would have said, nah, give me the book, you know, and that has changed drastically, I would say, in the last five years, where I just, seriously, I've put down the books, and I'm not saying you should put down all your books, but this is, we got to read the book. Because this, this is where life flows out of. This is where the truth comes. And I, I didn't mention this in the first service, but this is pretty powerful. Coach Brown, who came down to our fields of faith, where we had 12 high schools join us two weeks ago down at the Ashland baseball field. It was incredible. And Coach, and I've heard him talk about this before, but he was talking on a pretty sensitive subject on sexual immorality at this big, uh, actually it was an FCA function at Texas A&M University. And he was reading through the Bible exactly what it was saying, and he started getting booze when he hit certain points of it. And he was honestly, he kind of took a double take and he couldn't understand why he was getting booed, but he said later, He's told me this a couple times, I probably shouldn't have done this, but he was just so blown away by getting booed at a, at a Christian function, by reading just what was in the Bible, he tore out that page, he watered it up and threw it out. He said, is that a better Bible for you? Um, boy, talk about hitting me in the gut. You know, this was written without error. Um, it was written for our good. And to me, this is our playbook. This is, this is what navigates us, gives us everything we need to get through this life in an incredible way. And so I want to end by uh, just presenting the gospel because I don't think we can ever not talk about the gospel. Um, if we could just go to Luke 23, 39 through 43. And this is the good news for all of us um, this morning. And this is, as you know, when Jesus was ready to die on the cross, there was a criminal on either side of him that were also going to die on the cross. And 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by sa saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, 
Today you will be with me in paradise. This is an incredible picture of the gospel in just four short, short verses. Um, and and it, it's sad to me that the, one, the first criminal denied Jesus. He denied that opportunity. And um, the truth of the matter is, and we hear this in our church, which I love, because we're telling the truth about what's in the Word, what's in the word. But the truth is, if we deny Jesus, we're separated from God forever, and that means hell. And that is a scary thing. It's, it frightens me. Um, but I don't, I don't trust Jesus just because I'm frightened. I trust Jesus because he's God, and he is the one that created everything, and I love him, and I want to be with him forever. And so that's what's cool about the second criminal. He said, don't you fear God? So he understood who God was. He understood that God was all-powerful, all-knowing, the creator, even when you've been sentenced to die. So he understood that, that we were separated from God. And he says, we deserve to die for our crimes, meaning I'm a sinner. I have sinned, and I don't deserve, I don't deserve anything but death and separation and hell. But because he repented and he understood that he needed to ask for forgiveness for his sins and that that's who he was, Look at what Jesus says at, on verse 43. I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. This guy didn't have any time to do any good works. Now, if we've become a Christian and we're young, oh man, the good works are just going to flow out of us because that's who he is. It's not who we are. We're sinners and deprived, but, but because he comes inside of us, that's the only reason we can do good works. And and I think as you grow, you're going to want to do more and more good works all the time. But he didn't have any time to do any good work. It was only through the grace of Jesus Christ because he came to him in repentance. He asked for forgiveness. He trusted him fully with his life. And wouldn't that be cool to meet that criminal someday? Wow. So... Uh, I love you guys. I hope this uh, gave you a little bit to think about, to chew on this week. And uh, I just pray, I guess, mostly that all of us would just be in the Word, because uh, this is where, where uh, we get our playbook of life. Let's go ahead and close. Father, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for working through a guy that kind of stutters and sweats and stammers and Thanks for using us, God, if we're willing to be used. I just pray for every single person in this auditorium right now, God. Um, whatever you have, um, or whatever they have going on, God, um, you know, just like the man that was carried in on the mat, you knew his heart before he even got there. So you know everyone's hearts. And God, I pray you would meet them where they're at today. I pray that um, every single one of us, God, if we have not repented of our sins and turned to you for our life and given our life to you, God, that we would do that right now because today is the day of salvation. We don't know how long we have. And we have to make a decision, God. And uh, I just pray that decision is for you. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.